Shalom Aleichem, welcome to a new initiative, a new endeavor that I personally am extremely excited about, an initiative called 30 Letters in 30 Days, which is a joint project of Vad Orvachemois Kashas and Solwords. Uh, what's this all about? So tonight is our first class, first of 30 classes, as the name 30 Letters in 30 Days implies. So I want to give you a little bit of an intro into what this class is all about, why we're doing it, what we're learning, the structure of it, the timeline. The Lubavitcher Rebbe said that if you want to get him a birthday present, the best present, the best kind of gift, are gifts of Torah, which means to study a little bit more Torah and to do it in honor of the Rebbe's birthday. Now, the Rebbe's birthday is Yud Aleph Nissen. That's the 11th day of the Hebrew month of Nissen, which is four days before Pesach. And not to alert anyone or scare them, but yes, Pesach is in uh, 34 days. Yes, because Yud Aleph Nissen is in 30 days. And what we're doing is for 30 days, in the tradition of Shleishim Yom Lifnei Chag, we're getting ready, we're preparing for the very special day of celebrating the fact that the Rebbe came to this world. And uh, in honor of that, in anticipation, in preparation, we're going to study some Torah. Now, we could study any Torah. It could be anything. But we've chosen a very special kind of Torah study. And it is a very special kind of Torah study that is unfortunately often overlooked and perhaps even by some um, not necessarily recognized as Torah study. And that is the study of the Rebbe's holy letters that were compiled in a series of volumes known as Igras Kodesh. Igras Kodesh is a Hebrew title which literally means holy letters. Now, over the 30 days, I'm going to tell you a lot about the Igras and about the genesis of that project and some of the background. And I'm not going to do it all at once. We, we wouldn't have time. This is a 30-minute class. So I'm not going to share everything about the background of the Igras. But I'll tell you just a little bit, just so you understand why we decided that this was something that would be a really special way to prepare for the Rebbe's birthday. As we know, the Rebbe was prolific in his Torah scholarship. And the Rebbe had, my modem, deep Hasidic discourses where he expounded on deep mystical ideas. The Rebbe spoke sichas, thousands of which were edited painstakingly by the Rebbe, with scholarly footnotes and explanations. And the Maimorim, the Sichas, are generally, at least to those who are familiar with the Rebbe's body of work, uh, are studied and revered and beloved. There's a whole set of books called the Igris Kodesh, and it seems to me that maybe people don't realize what a treasure trove the Igris are and how they're unique and different from anything else that the Rebbe left us. 
Now, just on a personal note, for whatever it's worth, not that anyone's so interested in my life, but I wrote a column in Ami Magazine for eight years. And it was very popular, Baruch Hashem. And people used to tell me, oh, I like how you do this. I like how you do that. And the particular compliments they would always give me would be things that I copied from the Igris. <laughs> when, when Ami asked me to write an advice column, I had actually never read an advice column. I didn't even know what it was. So I just, I, I said, you know, what is it? They said, people write letters and you answer. I said, okay, write letters, answer, Igris. So I just copied the Rebbe's style <laughs> as best I could. So uh, like one of the things people would say is like, you always find how the person's problem is their solution. I said, well, I got that from Igris. That's the Rebbe's style. I, that's, I stole that right from there. Um, or you always validate people, even if you disagree with them. I said, I got that from Igris. <laughs> That's right from Igris. So when I would go around speaking, when people would uh, ask me about the, the Ami column, I would say to them, guys, it's a very poor imitation of Igris Kodesh. <laughs> Skip the Shays Taub column and go to the real thing. The Rebbe wrote thousands of letters. The Rebbe corresponded with real-life people with real-life issues and gave them real-life solutions and guidance and encouragement and clarity. And that's, that's what the Igris are really about. Obviously, everything that the Rebbe taught us has practical application. Even the deepest, most abstract idea in a, in a Hasidic discourse has practical application, without question. But you have to work to see how it could be practically applied. When you open up any page, any page at all of the Igris, you're looking at the Rebbe communicating to a real person. It could be a mother, it could be a journalist, a politician, an entrepreneur, it, it could be a rabbi, it, it, it could be a community leader, and, and they could be writing about anything. It could be about uh, marital harmony, it could be about their children, it could be about health, it could be about their communal activism. And the common denominator is the Rebbe is connecting with this person and, and giving them clarity. And there's just something so powerful, something so powerful about having that glimpse, having that ability to spy on this one-on-one -on -one deep connection. And there's just something so beautiful about the fact that the Rebbe made this available to us and, and asked that this should be made available to us. And uh, I'm really hoping that over the 30 days, people are going to see the beauty of, of studying the Rebbe's Igris and realizing how much depth there is, how much wisdom there is, and, and how much the Rebbe is a guide, is someone who's giving us clarity and, and, and direction in our day-to-day -day lives. And I want to tell you something. The letters that we're going to be reading over these 30 days are all from the same year. I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. They're, they're, they're from 1955. But I promise you, every letter you read you would think it could be written today. You'll read it. The Rebbe's answer sounds like it could be written in 2022. Now, another point I want to make is, I, I mentioned that the Rebbe asked that the Igris be published. And I'm not going to get into that at length tonight. I'll talk about that. With Hashem's help, we'll talk about that in further episodes. But I just want to say a little something. And that is that the Igris are a body of work with which the Rebbe gave us instructions how to use 
this work. In other words, the Rebbe told us, I'm not only, I'm, I'm giving you this text, but I'm going to tell you how to use it or how it's supposed to be used. In the Movei, that means the introduction to Chelek Yud Base, that's the, the 12th volume of the Igris. It says something startling, which I don't think very many people know about. It says that the advent of the Igris coincided chronologically with the advent of another major push and initiative from the Rebbe, which is a Selech The Rebbe started a Selech HaRav. The Rav is the wording from, from the Mishnah, from Pirkei Ovis, where it says, a Selech get yourself a teacher, get yourself a mentor, a guide. And the Rebbe turned that into a whole campaign that everyone needs to have a personal, uh, call it a spiritual trainer, a coach to be accountable to. And that push started uh, Parshas Dvorim, Shabbos Parshas Dvorim, Tovshin Mem Vav. About a half a year later is when the Rebbe started the push for the Igris. In fact, it's really this week, the week of Purim. It was uh, the day after Shushan Purim that Rebbe asked Rabbi Levin from the library that he should begin work on uh, compiling letters and publishing them. So the Asela Harav, Get Yourself a Mentor, campaign was 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 the summer of i guess that would be uh, 1986 and then in the winter late winter of 87 the rebbe announced that he wanted his egress to be published and he pushed that it should be done very very expediently so in the introduction to volume 12 of the egress it says something startling i was startled when i read it and that is we know that the first Rebbe of Chabad, the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, wrote a book called Tanya. And the Tanya Kadisha, the Holy Tanya, has an introduction. And not all introductions to all books are written by their authors, but this one is. And the Alter Rebbe writes in the Hagdamas HaMalakit, in his own foreword to his holy book, why he's writing the book. He explains exactly what the book's purpose is. The Alter Rebbe says that it's not possible anymore to accommodate everybody in Yechidus, in personal audiences. That was something that people yearned for, to have that connection, that one-on-one FaceTime with the Rebbe. And uh, the Alter Rebbe could no longer accommodate the demand for Yechidus. So the, the Alter Rebbe writes in the introduction to Tanya that this book will be a way for us to access the personal guidance, the loving wisdom of the Rebbe through a book. Now, in the introduction to volume 12 of the Igris Kodesh, it says, and I want to make it clear that the introduction to the, the Igris was reviewed by the Rebbe and approved by the Rebbe. This is authoritative, this statement, as shocking as it sounds. So the introduction to volume 12 of the Igris says that just like the Alter Rebbe, the first Rebbe of Chabad, wrote the Tanya, and the Tanya was a way 
for people to have yechidus, to have one-on-one counsel and guidance from the Rebbe. So too, the Igris are part of the Rebbe's system for allowing everyone access to all the benefits of yechidus. You see, historically, yechidus, one-on-one audiences with the Rebbe were phased out around Tavshin Mem Aleph, Mem Beis, that's 1981 or 1982. And then there, were some, there was something called yechidus Klolis, where there were groups. But yechidus, as, as it functioned for, for decades, was no longer available after the early 1980s. And so what happened in 1986, 1987, the Rebbe came out with a Selech HaRav, get yourself a mentor, and the Rebbe came out with the Igris, have access to the Rebbe's own guidance and wisdom. So it says in the in the, the Mavai, the introduction to volume 12 of, of Igris Kodesh, that this is, so to speak, the Igris, is like the Rebbe's Tanya. <laughs> Idiomatically, I mean that. In, in other words, the same function that the Tanya was filling, that's what the Rebbe's Igris, in conjunction with getting your own personal mentor, fills for us today, which is, like I said, I think startling. And I should note that it does not say this in the introduction to volume 12, but it should be mentioned, I believe, that we have a Mesoira, a tradition from the Rebbe Rashab, which is printed in the Sichas of the Rebbe Rashab, that's the fifth Rebbe of Chabad. There's a Sefer called Teda Shalom, and there it has Sichas of the Rebbe Rashab, and there it's, it states clearly, and the Rebbe brings this statement in the edited Lakute Sichas, that anyone who learns Tanya has had Yechidus with the Alter Rebbe. When you learn Tanya, that's it. You are having Yechidus with the Alter Rebbe. So, if the Igris Kodesh function in a way similar to the Tanya, perhaps we can say that when you learn Igris, you're having Yechidus with the Rebbe. Perhaps. And with that, I want to begin our journey of 30 letters in 30 days. We have a wonderful booklet that was printed with all 30 letters. If you've ordered the booklet already, I believe most people on the East Coast have received theirs. If you haven't yet, hold tight, it's coming. You can still order the book. We have a website set up, 30 letters, 30 days, 30, the number, three zero. 30letters30days.com and you can find everything you need there, all the resources you can find. If you do not have the book, there's a PDF available. You can download the PDF for each night's letter so that you can follow along. Also, I want to mention that at 30letters30days.com there will be an archive of every night's class. So if you miss the live Zoom, you can watch the replay and there will be uh, replays on several platforms, video platforms as well as audio podcast platforms. So we're making this as easy and accessible as possible to everyone. Um, also, it's very important to mention that at 30letters30days.com, there is a duch. A duch means a report that we are writing to the Rebbe, letting the Rebbe know what we've done, that... We are studying his holy letters and taking them to heart, taking them personally. 
And uh, on Yud Aleph Nissen, the Rebbe's birthday, we will bring that duch, that report, with all of the names of all of the participants in the course. So even if you only come on and learn one lesson, please sign the duch. It's at 30letters30days.com and leave your name and your mother's name as is customary when writing to the Rebbe. And we will bring your name together with the names of all the other participants uh, to the oil on Yud Aleph Nissen. I should also mention that early Yud Aleph, the night going into Yud Aleph Nissen, there's going to be a special women's event. I know, we're crazy. We're making a women's event four days before Pesach. There's going to be a women's fabrengen uh, at the oil or nearby the oil at a facility nearby the oil on the night going into Yud Aleph Nissen where the final class, the 30th class of the 30 letters in 30 days will take place. And uh, I think that's it for uh, the practical stuff, for the business side of things. And I'm going to jump into letter number one. So here we, here we have, if you're looking in the booklet, it's on page six. And uh, it says, Should a Fabrengen keep you away from home? Quite the opposite. That was a title that we gave it in order so that uh, when you're looking back through the booklets and you're trying to find a letter, you'll be able to recognize it from the title. But we, we gave these English titles. I should also mention that the vocalization, meaning the nekudis, the vowels that were added, as well as the English translation, those are not authoritative. Those were added in order to ease the study of the igris. But I want everyone to know that the English translation, as well as the vowels, we cannot vouch for its complete accuracy. So if there are mistakes, and surely there are mistakes, you can let us know, and uh, we'll try to change it if there's a future publication of this booklet. <sighs> Only the Hebrew Hebrew or Yiddish side of the column is uh, the original version, the text from the Igris. So here it says letter number one. Tonight's class number one. Sunday evening, that's when we're learning it live. Ten Ador Shani, the, the second, Adar, the tenth day, and the secular date is March 13th. And here we have the letter. The letter, it says here a number, base Tof Tof Kuf Samaches, 2968. That means that this letter is letter 2968 in the Igris. Oh, I think it's proper to mention here. We're learning now from Chelek Yud, from volume 10 of the Igris. All of the letters that we'll be learning, I think I mentioned earlier that they're all from 1955. The Igris were published chronologically. So volume 10 contains letters from 1955, from 1954 and 55. That's, that's when they all take place. Uh, so if you want to follow along in an actual copy, copy of Igris, all of these letters are in one volume. They're all in volume 10, in Chelek Yud. Um. And there are various reasons why we chose this volume, and maybe we'll talk about it later, and also reasons why we chose these letters. But suffice it to say, in one sentence, the letters were selected to give us a cross-section, to give us a real sampling of the breadth of the kinds of people and the kinds of issues that the Rebbe was attending to so carefully and lovingly. And uh, that's what I'll say about that. And now let's jump in. Baruch Hashem, Vav Tishrei, Tov Shin Tes Vav. By the grace of God, the sixth day of the Hebrew month of Tishrei, 5715, that means 
not yet 1955, but the last few months of 1954, Brooklyn. Eber was writing from 770 from Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Now, I just want to mention before we get into the body of the letter, just the date here is startling. First of all, Vav Tishrei, that's the Rebbe's mother's yard site. Not yet, not in 1955, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was 10 years later, but Vav Tishrei is a remarkable date for a letter for another reason, just from a practical standpoint. Do you know how busy a Jew is on Vav Tishrei? Vav Tishrei is a Sersimei Tshuva. <laughs> Those are the the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And that's how busy every Jew is. Think about the Rebbe. <laughs> the, the, the Rebbe's schedule, the schedule that the Rebbe kept during the, the High Holy Days was absolutely uh, mind-boggling. And in the midst of all that, the Rebbe's taking time to write this letter. Just remarkable to reflect upon that alone. Okay, now to whom is this letter? This is a little bit different. Most letters are to individuals. This letter's to a community. Most letters are to individuals. This letter's to a community. To the Anash, the Chsidim, the men, and the Tmimim, that means the Bachram of Temche Tmimim, the Yeshiva boys. So to the boys and the men, the men and the boys of Kfar Chabad, you're going to see in a minute why the Rebbe is writing to the men and the boys and not to the women and the girls, that are in Kfar Chabad, the village of Kfar Chabad in the Holy Land, may it be rebuilt speedily by our righteous Mashiach. Kfar Chabad is a village that was founded in Tov Shin Tess. That's uh, 1949, a year after uh, the State of Israel. And the Friedrich Rebbe, previous Rebbe, started the village of Kfar Chabad. And at first, at least, it was a major center for immigration for Chsidim, Chabad Chsidim, coming out of Russia. So that's who this community was. These were largely families who came from a Chabad lineage, and they had left communist oppression, and they were starting a new life in the Holy Land. Okay, Hashem aleim yichyu, may Hashem be upon them, shalom uvracha, greetings and blessings. And that's the Rebbe's customary salutation in a letter, shalom uvracha. Higiasni ha A rumor has reached me. Oh, I want to mention also, I'm not going to look on both sides of the page. So my English is my spontaneous English translation. It may not match the translation in the booklet. And I hope that'll be okay. I just think it'll flow better that way. So the rumor, the report has reached me. Even though it's not 100%, it's not completely clear. Meaning the Rebbe is saying, this is it's it's hearsay, and that's that's being acknowledged that it may not be a hundred percent true. I think that's a very disarming way to start a letter because, as you're about to see, that I was going to speak about something that's undesirable that needs fixing. And when you're speaking to somebody about news that you heard about what they're doing that needs to be corrected, it's a very disarming way of starting off to say I heard something that's not so perfect, but you know I'm taking it with a grain of salt. By the way, this observation I'm making is just my personal observation, and I also want to make a disclaimer about that. Obviously, um, 
I'm going to make observations. I'm going to share to you with you why the egress are so meaningful to me. Some of the observations I make <laughs> may not be a hundred percent correct, but I'm gonna. I'll, I will let you know when it's my observation and when it's uh, when it's my inference and when it's directly translating the words. Okay. So what report <clears throat> reached the Rebbe, which is not a hundred percent confirmed, or at least not all the details. That a good portion of the men and the boys have a habit on Shabbos Mavorchem. That means the last Shabbos of every Hebrew month, the month where you bless the incoming month. So the men and the boys have a habit on Shabbos Mavorchem. To have their Shabbos meal not in their house. And it seems this report that I received saying the men are not having their Shabbos meal at home, it doesn't mean they're not having the third meal at home. You know, the Suda Shlishis, if Lubavitchers even have it, you know, according to Chabad Minig, we may not even eat anything at all. We, we, we listen to uh, a mimer, someone repeats a mimer, but uh, the third meal Pretty universally, people have in shul, or fairly common people will have in shul. That's not a family thing, the third meal. That's the, that's that's after mincha, that's in the afternoon at the end of Shabbos. The Rebbe says, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the second meal, the day meal, the main meal. That the men are not having that meal at home with their families. Zaysaymeris. This means, now the Rebbe spells out what the implications are. Asher b'viyosim hatfilo knesses that from the time they arrive at Shul, and I should just note that I was speaking about Shabbos Mavorchim, remember, right? So Shabbos Mavorchim, there's another custom to uh, enacted by the, the Friedrich Rebbe to say the whole Tehillim before davening. So they're getting to Shul very early, extra early. So the Rebbe says, from the time they come to Shul in the morning, they don't come home until evening or even after Maidav. So they're leaving early in the morning and they don't come home, some of them, in, in, until dark. They're out, away from the house, the entire Shabbos day. This is the report that Ebbe says he heard. Okay. Now, obviously the Rebbe is taking issue with this. The Rebbe is going to deal with this. But let's, let's look how the Rebbe deals with it. And I want to make a, another uh, observation here, and that is, you know, one of the reasons that the igras are so meaningful to me is that if you're open to it, the igras really train you how to approach all kinds of issues. In other words, the, the exact specific subject that I was speaking about in a given letter may not apply to you, but the way that Ebba approaches it I think you can learn and apply to all types of situations. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the Rebbe didn't tell us what to think. The Rebbe taught us how to think. And if you want to learn how to think in the way that the Rebbe taught us, the Igras are just such a beautiful way to, to, to train yourself, to have that vision, to have that, that cook as we call it in Yiddish, to have that way of, of looking at things.
So I want to invite you to not just listen to what the Rebbe is saying, but how the Rebbe is saying it, how the Rebbe is going about it, and, and, and try to learn that approach for yourself so that you can apply that approach to all types of issues that might come up in your life. Remember also that one answer to one person may only apply to that person. So what the Rebbe said, very often, by the way, the Rebbe would answer one thing <clears throat> to one person, and a very similar question, the Rebbe would say a different thing to another person because, as the Rebbe mentioned so many times in Igris, everybody's different, and there are no uh, there, there are no uh, steadfast rules when it comes to to human nature because everybody has different circumstances and, and a different background and a different personality. So you can't always take what the Rebbe said and say, "Oh, that applies to me," but you can always take how the Rebbe said it and teach yourself to look at things in that way as well. So, <clears throat> look at how the Rebbe is answering now. Look at how the Rebbe is answering. I do not know, the Rebbe says, Im sha'avru, that even if in past years, historically, whether the sages were happy with this conduct, meaning the Rabbeim or the, the Mashpiyim, the leadership, Hasidic leadership. I don't know whether that this type of behavior, staying out all day, not coming home to your family, I don't know if that was something that was approved of or encouraged in the past, which is very interesting for the Rebbe to say that because I think it's fair to say that Rebbe was the biggest uh, expert in, in Chabad history. But the Rebbe says here, in a very humble way, I, 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 I don't know if this was always approved of, but we could make an argument, and I, the Rebbe shows both sides. It's so interesting. So many times when people want to take a stance on an issue, it has to be extreme. It has to be all black or white. And you see here, even when the Rebbe is clearly correcting something that needs correction, there's nuance to it. The Rebbe, the Rebbe himself is offering both sides of the argument, which is that, that you can learn so much from. You don't have to have an extreme stance. You can entertain the opposite argument and still come to a different conclusion. And that's precisely what the Rebbe says here. He, he, he makes an argument pro the thing that they're doing, that he's actually correcting them for. Okay, so here's the pro argument. Here's the argument for. On one hand, On one hand, it's known, it's just a fact, that Abayim used to purposely fight against what the Rebbe calls here, worldly mindsets. That's Hanochas Ha'elam. And, and, and Balabatasha Hanhogas. I can't even translate Balabatish. <laughs> but it, it, it means people doing things the normal way. And there was, there was such a thing. There was such a thing as purposely flouting social convention. Uh, in many ways, under the darkest time of communist oppression, it was this this chutzpah de kedusha, this this absolute brazenness that kept Chassidim alive under 
unthinkable uh, conditions. And, and so we know that many of these people in Kfar Chabad, they may have remembered or at least seen their fathers or grandfathers behaving in ways that were wild or unconventional. And that that was, that was necessary, that was, that was vital to them preserving their, their Yiddishkeit. And I should mention, it's not just something that historically has its place. Even, even in current times, the, the Rebbe once said, there was actually, there was a Fabreng in Parshas Kedeshim, Tav Shin Yud Tes, where the Rebbe actually said, Bashas Mezet V is Mitzad Hanochas Ha'olam. Once you see how the regular world does something, Tutman Farkert, you go and do the opposite. Meaning just because that's the social convention, you flout it because we don't want to be like everybody else. So the Rebbe makes a pro argument here for this crazy conduct and says, you know, there's something inherently valuable about being villed and out of the box and flouting social convention. So that's a pro argument for what you're doing. All right. Very good. All right. However, on the other hand, now the Rebbe presents the counterpoint. On the other hand, on the other hand, they didn't want that you should go to the opposite extreme and do this constantly. That the abnormal shouldn't become normal. <laughs> if you want to say it like that. Even though it must be conceded that sometimes there has to be sometimes, you do have to go, the Rebbe uses the Yiddish, out of the vessels, meaning out of the box. You have to go wild. It is important once in a while. Why? Because if you don't have times where you do cut loose, then after a while, gradually, the light will dim. The light will dim. The spiritual exuberance will dim. So therefore, from time to time, you have to rejuvenate, you have to re-enliven. However, this level, which in the Shema we call it to love Hashem with all your might, and Chesidus explains, what does it mean to love Hashem with all your might? It means nefesh. It means total self-sacrifice, totally setting aside anything that is that a regular person would desire for himself and just being completely spiritual. So we say, yeah, that, that's, that's good, but that's, that's from time to time. It has to be from time to time only. It can't be a constant. Like it's explained in many places in Chesidus. So it's a beautiful answer. The Rebbe is saying, listen, this cannot be the regular Seder. But it's a good thing from time to time. Now, the Rebbe doesn't give them a schedule, what from time to time means. Obviously, it doesn't mean as frequently as they're doing it now, but the Rebbe is giving them a pass to do it, not to never do it again. But as we're going to see further in the letter, the Rebbe then structures how they should conduct the Shabbos Mavachim for Bengitz. I want to mention, by the way, the first time I actually heard of this letter, I, it was before I read it uh, and learned it inside. I was at a, at a Shabbos at the oil, 
And it was with a group of Balabatim, a group of guys that were not all Chassidim, and they had come to a Shabbos with the Rebbe. They went to the, the oil for Shabbos. And uh, the Fabrenger was uh, Rabbi Shmuel Lu from London. And Rabbi Lu, very much, he's one of the people who got me into Igris, among many people. But he, he was one of the people who, uh, he learns Igris regularly. And at the Fabrengen, he was saying to the guys, he's like, this is crazy. A bunch of guys leave their houses, leave their families, and they come to the oil for Shabbos? It's crazy. He says, that's why you can't do it every Shabbos. <laughs> and, he, and he quoted this letter. He said, the Rebbe told the Chassidim and Kfar Chabad, once in a while you have to go crazy. But that can't become the norm. So the Rebbe says it's a good thing, but it has its place. It has to have its context. Now, what's the context? I mean, that, that's the context. It has to be rare. Okay, but now, let, what's the norm? Like, how do you normally fabreng on Shabbos Mavorchim? So the Rebbe is going to give us a little structure here. All right. So what I just said applies to this whole situation we're discussing now. Strong words. Hear that? If they will listen to my opinion. Very strong words. The Rebbe is saying, if they will listen to my opinion. They'll set up the Shabbos Mavorchim Fabrengen in such a manner that the light from the Fabrengen will come to the houses of those who participate in the Fabrengen. So here's what the Rebbe is saying. The Fabrengen is beautiful, but you got to take it home. <laughs> take the Fabrengen home. It's such a beautiful concept here that... that in my opinion, every every letter from the Rebbe contains a paradox, or several paradoxes. Um, a paradox doesn't mean a contradiction, by the way. A contradiction means something that's unsustainable. A paradox means two opposites that you find actually are not in contradiction, even though they're opposites. And everything that's holy, everything that's godly, is mitzad nimna hanum nois, that Hashem is completely... Uh, transcends all limitations. So anything that's really Torah Samus, that's the truth... Is, is going to have that paradox. So here's what the Rebbe says. He says basically, yeah, it's important not to have balabatash hanachas, not to have like worldly mindsets. And you have to be crazy and you have to be chsidim and that's all good. But what are chsidish hanachas? <laughs> and who determines what chsidish hanachas are? The Rebbe determines what chsidish hanachas are. The Rebbe says chsidish hanachas, meaning a chsidish mindset is. It's not a contradiction to family life. It's part and parcel of family life. <laughs> One doesn't conflict with the other. One enhances the other. So you'll take the Fabrengen home. Don't think that you have to abandon your family in order to be chsiddish. No, be chsiddish and then take your chsiddishkeit to the family. I should mention that... Uh, there's a sicha. There's actually a couple of sichas that speak about the Kain Godel. The Kain Godel had to be married. It's an interesting point. He had to be married. And after his Avaidit on Yom Kippur, holiest day of the year, holiest person of the year, going into the Kedush Gadash, which is the holiest place in the world. And uh, 
he it says it's very interesting. Um, there, there's a sicha in Chelik Gimel Parshas Achrei, uh, but then there's also a sicha in in Chelik Lamed Base Parshas Achrei, which is second sicha in Achrei, where the Rebbe explains. I bring my Rambam here. Something interesting <coughs> about the Rambam about Hilchas Yemekipurim, where uh, in Sefer Aveda, where it says all the different rituals that the King Gadol has to perform on Yom Kippur, all the different sacrifices and, and, and the different ceremonies. And then at the very end of it, it says something very interesting. It says that after he's all done, Poishet Big Day Zahav, he takes off his gold investments, that means the special uh, Big Day Kohona, the uh, uniform that he uses when he serves, he puts on his own clothes. He goes home. And everyone escorts him home. He makes a, a party, a celebration. That he came out, he emerged peacefully. From the holy, from the holiest place, the inner sanctum. And the Rebbe explains something very interesting. You know, in the Machser, in Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur, we read this. Um, but it's just a h- historical account, or at least you could, you could reason that maybe it's just a historical account. However, in Rambam, which is halacha, it's not just telling you what happened. These are the facts of what happened. It's actually telling you the, the law, how it has to be. And the Rebbe questions, what does it matter once the Kohen Gadol is finished with the Aveda on Yom Kippur, what does it matter what he does next? Maybe that's what happened. Maybe after he finished, he took off his uniform, he put on his street clothes, and he went to his house, and he made a, a celebration. But that's not part of the halacha, is it? <laughs> and the Rebbe says it is part of the halacha. That's why the Rambam includes it. It's not just incidental that that's what happened afterwards. In fact, not only is it just in, not incidental, it's in a way the entire point the entire point of the Kain Gadol having his transcendent experience on Yom Kippur in the Kedesh HaKadoshim is dafke that he should take off his holy big day kahuna, put on his regular clothes and go to his home and make a celebration with his family. Because if you can't take the transcendent spiritual high and bring it down into your day-to-day life, then it's not shalim. Right? The Ramam says he left the Kurdish Bisholim. Sholim means wholeness, integration. So if you have spiritual highs that you can't apply to your, your home life, it's not Bisholim, it's not integrated. So the Rebbe says here, take the oil, take the light from the Fabrengen, the Chsidishkeit, the energy, the excitement, but bring it to your house. That is Chsidishkeit. If you can't bring it home, do you really have it? Is it really yours? <laughs> okay, so let, let's let's continue here. Um, so the Rebbe says you should bring home the excitement from the Febrang. Now, you could say, oh, that's a good idea. On Sunday, <laughs> I'll go to a Febrang and on Shabbos, and then on Sunday, I'll bring, you know, Yem Rishen on the next day. Ah, then I'll bring home the oil of the Febrang. So uh, the Rebbe says, where, where did we get up to? Uh, ah, the beginning of bringing it home, 
dafka exclusively, must be exclusively when on the day of Shabbos itself. Don't tell me you're going to fabreng on Shabbos and then bring it home the next day. You have to bring it home the same day. Even in the short winter Shabbos, you're able to apportion the time allotted for the fabrengen, or set it up in some way, that even though Shabbos is short, you can manage to have a fabrengen and take the excitement of the fabrengen home to your Shabbos Suda at home. Have a Shabbos meal at home. And now the Rebbe tells you what to do at your Shabbos meal at home. Here's what you're going to do when you go home. And also at home, meaning in addition to what you were fabrenging about in shul with, with your friends, you're going to go home and you're going to fabreng with your family. And what are you going to speak about? You're going to speak about Aldvar Inyan Shabbos Mavorchim Bechlal. You'll speak about in general what is the concept of Shabbos Mavorchim. What is this idea the Jews bless the incoming month? Talk about that in general. It's a very deep concept. And especially about the meaning of this upcoming month. By the way, the Rebbe would always do that. The Rebbe would always speak about the meaning of the time that we're about to enter Shabbos Mavorchim. The Rebbe would speak about the significance of the next month. Every month has a, has a unique flavor, a unique spiritual character. So go home and fabreng with your, your wife and children about that. Okay. Now, we're almost done with the letter, but here, here's another thing. <laughs> the Rebbe doesn't let the women off the hook. Presumably, the Shmur, the report that the Rebbe received, was from the women. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, who complained. So the Rebbe first addresses that. Yeah, that's not right. They can't stay out all day. I mean, once in a blue moon, they could stay out all day, because you can be crazy once in a while. But you can't make abnormal your new normal. All right? And then, regular Shabbos Mavorchams, what are you going to do? You're going to Fabreng in shul, and you're going to bring it home. Okay. Now that Eva adds one more thing. Something st- straight to the women. Vitikvasi, it is my hope, the Rebbe says. That this will arouse the, the women and the girls. That they for themselves should set up his vadis b'shabes mavorchem, a fabrengen on shabes mavorchem, oy b'matzah shabes or after shabes, the night, Saturday night, shabbos the night coming out of shabes. <laughs> so the Rebbe doesn't let the women off the hook. The Rebbe says, "Yeah, I'll, I'll get your husbands to come home a little earlier. Now you're going to fabreng too. You're going to have your own women's fabrengens." And you don't have to do it on Shabbos. If it's too busy, too difficult, you can do it Matzah Shabbos. But the women are going to fabreng now. And this is another thing I learned. I, I, I picked this up from, uh, I mean, from Igris. You just, you learn how to, how to approach things. The Rebbe never takes away. The Rebbe only adds. It's uncanny. You're always, everything you see. The Rebbe never takes away. The Rebbe only adds. So, <laughs> the Rebbe didn't take away the men's Shabbos Mavorchim Fabrengens. The Rebbe corrected the way it should be done, added to it by giving it a Shalem component, an integration component in the homes, and then added another thing, a whole new concept of women Fabrenging. <laughs> just, just remarkable. Just absolutely remarkable. Okay, we're going to finish up here. Uh... In addition to my uh, 
my personal blessing to everyone. Birkas Ksiva Vachsima, Toiva, which is a bracha. Remember, this was Seres Mitshuva. A bracha for it to be written and sealed for good. Hinini Bazah, hereby, in this letter, also Labia, Gamkain. I'm also now, because it is Seres Mitshuva, including my bracha of Ksima, Ugmar Ksima Toiva. By the way, just a side note, but I know the Oilam says, Gmar uh, Ksima Toiva. That's not how the Rebbe said it. The Rebbe always said, I don't know why that never caught on. I, I, I think we should <laughs> make sure that we say it. That's the way the Rebbe said it. That's the way we should say it. I know the Velt says, but the Rebbe would say, At any rate, so I'm giving you a bracha now, to be sealed and completely sealed for good, for a good sweet year, for good that is apparent and obvious, revealed, with blessing. And that is, my friends, the first letter of our 30 letters. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow night.